Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan. Who else would be here, right? Today, we have an amazing guest. She is fabulous. She has been in my life for a few months, six months almost now. She's one of my coaches, the fabulous Judy Weber. I met her online. She had did this really cool post. And, you know, that time I was kind of like fiddling and faddling, getting into the worldly things. And she said something from scripture that just totally caught my mind. And I was like tapped by the Holy Spirit. It's like, you need to connect with her. You know, she can help you in your business. And I was just like, but I already have a coach. Just do it anyways. So this is how I got to meet her. And she's so fabulous. And she has such a wonderful program. Um, she's all about being joyful. <laughs> so I'll allow her to tell the rest. Thank you so much, Judy, for being here, for sharing your time and your energy with us. So tell us a little bit more about what you do, where you're from. You have such a beautiful background. I love staring at it. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, my home here? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, the reason I'm here instead of up in my office is because on vacation last week, my knee got, you know, messed up again. So anywho, thank you for that. Yes, I am a business coach and scaling expert for Christian women. And Lisa is absolutely a smart, a star student. Um, so my background is very varied. I come from nothing. So I love this. I love that we're talking about money today because I'm one of six kids. We had only love and Jesus in the house. And that was great. I feel very blessed my upbringing, even though we were poor. I didn't really realize I was poor until I went to college. Um, but eventually I went to law school, was the first one in my family to go to college or law school. And I always had big ambition. Um, but I love that we're talking about money because I had some major money stories growing up that frankly, I'm still unraveling, especially as my business explodes. There is some, there's quite a bit of head stuff, mm-hmm. um, stories that I need to unwrap and still am, am working through. Yeah. And so many think that these head stories, these conditioning statements that we grow up with are just one and done, like I'll manifest it away and I'll just do affirmation statements. It's like, no, there's so many layers that we need to peel back, especially from childhood and growing up in a poor um, family. You had a huge family. I'd like to say you were really rich because you, you know, you almost had a baseball team. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Mom and dad, you needed a few more kids. <laughs> but the, and I love that there was love there because there's so many rich families who grow up with all kinds of material things, but there's that love is lacking. Mm. So 
thinking back to your childhood and, you know, you said you didn't know that you were poor until you got to college. So I imagine you didn't, you know, get to compare until that stage of your life. But when did you first meet money? How old were you and what was the experience like? Wow, that's such a great question. I mean, I remember being excited about a nickel under my pillow when I lost a tooth. That's <laughs> kind of like my first real experience with money, I guess. But um, I don't know. I, I, I do have to say in high school, there was like the rich section of my town. Now, I lived in, I lived in Boyertown, Pennsylvania. Look that up, everybody. <laughs> it is like a farm town. And I was a townie. You know, we lived in this little row house um, a block off of the main street. But as I got into high school, I guess as I'm thinking about it now, there was a, a rich section of town. I bet if, you, if I showed you, you'd be like, that's rich. Um, but, you know, we had a couple of lawyers and whatnot. But it was when I went to college. And I remember, like, my gift of graduating uh, high school was the opportunity to go to college, you mm -hmm. know? And so I had like student debt for the most part, but my parents also, you know, they saved and, and they paid a portion of it as well. But when I got to college and I saw these kids, some of the girls had like diamond rings. They were already engaged and wow. the guys and girls, some of them had like fancy. That's the first time I saw a Jaguar. I remember saying that car is ugly. And somebody saying, what? That's a Jaguar. That's really expensive. I'm like, I don't care. I think it's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't like Porsches. I don't like the way a Porsche looks. So yeah, it's really a Corvette. I don't like the way a car. I would, I rode in a Corvette and I'm like, it's like being in a go-kart. Like, why would you want to drive a Corvette? <laughs> but some <Yeah>. Corvettes. <laughs> in the eighties. Now when I graduated college in 87 and then I've got out into the working world, a lot of the managers I had, they had those beamers of the late eighties. And I love that to me, that classic car, like that to me is a hot car, but of course I'm still longing for my Blackberry. So I go back to those things. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So knowing that you're surrounded by these different classes, how did that change your, your relationship with money, your viewpoint about money? Hmm. You know, a couple of the things I was told all my life was rich people are nasty they can't be trusted, never trust a man in a suit. No. Okay. They are shrewd. They don't care about people and they will rob you blind and not even think twice about it. So, and, and you know, of course, making money is hard and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. So that was what I was told over and over and over and over. And so um, in college, it was a thing, but it really didn't become a thing that impacted my life until I actually got into the law world. And I, I was blessed to get a job at a major law firm in the Philadelphia area. And as I hung out with the partners, um, I just realized I didn't like them very much. I can, I can tell you a couple of stories. You tell me if you want me to go into, into any at length, but I remember it was, I was a summer associate. So I was still in law school between second and third year. And um, there was a picnic at one of the partner's homes. And there was this little like one and a half, two-year-old boy that kept going after this lady. And finally, and we were all sitting along, I don't know, in some area. And um, along comes running this young teenager. I thought it was this little boy's big sister, but this was his nanny. And so the partner's wife was like, didn't even say anything to the child, but yelled at the woman, the nanny and said, get him out of here. I'm busy now. And I remember I was, I'm telling Elise, I was like, I was holding back tears. I'm like, okay, 
this is this is evidence that what my mom and dad told me is right. Mm-hmm. So see what I mean? So I, I there was a lot of that. There was another story I could tell you with if you want to, but but the point is I kept seeing over and over again that 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 their um their station in life, because I'm talking about women who were not the partner, they were the stay-at-homes with a rich husband. Right. But I can also tell you there's a similar story from a woman partner who did the same thing, said horrible things about her daughter. And I was just like, oh my God. And at that, at that point I was pregnant with my first. And I said, Lord God, may I never get like this. My kids, if I'm blessed to have any, will be most important things in life. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've heard that before. Like, you know, the more rich you are, the less that you pay attention to your family and it's, they're a bothersome, like kids are a bothersome. And then they wonder why there's so many messed up people in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, not, not everyone's meant to be a parent, but thinking about that, I mean, that must've really, I mean, changed your thought process of like, oh, my parents were right. Did it stifle your career? I mean, there's a lot of lawyers who work for not for profits and don't make any money at all. Mm. No, because, you know, I went to law school and I became a lawyer to right wrongs. So mm-hmm. I always just, I've always been very resilient by God's grace. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to be like them. I'm going to do it my way. And even now as a business coach, and I have friends who are seven figure and even eight figure, and they came to just like, okay, it's never enough. A hundred thousand this month. Nope. I need 120. Come on. We got to just keep going. We got to keep going. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I never not want to know my clients. So it's always for me, Lise, like I want to, I want to excel and exceed and do very, very well, always to give the Lord glory and to make sure that I do it like a way that feels authentic to me. I don't want to forget about people. People is what it's all about. Yeah. And it's so important to focus on that, the service that we do offer. And I always like to say that money doesn't like to be a number. And so many people will give numbers to money. And then they're wondering like, why didn't I meet my numbers? Maybe look at something else in your life that's stifling you from reaching your goals. And what's your purpose behind? And I like to say, if it doesn't make sense, it's not going to make dollars for you. And thinking about the conditioning statements that you have towards money, you know, you'd mentioned earlier, like I have all these thoughts and as I grow my business and, you know, step into multiple seven figures, what's coming up for you? It really is that it is really this idea that there is, uh, there will be a point where I'm at capacity. Mm-hmm. because of the boundaries that I've set for myself and how I want to do business. And that's okay. Like, like I have done so much and have helped so many that I never really did it to get rich. Like that wasn't my point, but I really want to be, um, to allow myself to understand wealth in many ways. And when we're talking specifically about wealth in the way of money, um, I'm not looking to be the next Rockefeller and that's okay. Um, but I, so I don't really like grapple with, is it okay for me to have big goals or is it okay for me to make a lot of money? A lot of my clients grapple with that, especially as Christians, you know, it's like, oh, I got to stay small. And you know how I feel about that, how much we both love the parable of the talents. It is a sin. And I'm going to go to my grave saying this. It is a sin to play small. When the Lord has gifted you, how dare you hide it under a bushel? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's you're, you're keeping all the goods to yourself. Yeah. You know? And so true. <laughs> I, I, I strive to be like the talent, the servant that tripled his talent. And that, that's my goal. 
And, you know, what does that look like? And there's wealth besides the money. There's the wealth with the joy of serving and helping and watching others grow and understand that money is in a relationship. Like when you partner with money, you get to do so much and just blessing others, you know, money in the hands of good people does wonderful things. And the money we have to utilize, we get to be that servant who blesses others, who can give money away to support their causes, their churches, whatever it is that they want to do. And when you think about your, your partnership with money and, you know, not having that cap, just using what you love to do to the best of your ability to help others grow. Do you have anything that nags at you? So many Christians believe that money, um, it's bad to have money. Money is the root of all evil and they misconstrue that that verse, what would you say to them? And how do you personally feel about that? Mm. That's a stuck point. You know it for me. First Timothy 6.10 says it's the love of money. That's the Mm. root of all evil. Money is a tool. So it's like a hammer in the right hand. That hammer can do very good things. I can make all kinds of stuff in the wrong hands. It could be a murder weapon, heaven forbid. Mm. Money is a tool. In the right hands, it could be given for great things. In the wrong hands, it could be given for horrible things like like human trafficking, God forbid, right? So for me, again, we have to be very careful. The Lord God, what is it? Deuteronomy 8.18, it is the Lord God who gives you the ability to create well, to produce well. And so that is a gift from the Lord. And so again, it's it's like, it's like um, I, I think I did a podcast, um, I don't know, a couple of months ago where I said, this is how poor people think about money. And this is how rich people think about money. And so I look at that often and I'm like, wait a minute, where am I on this? And one of the things I love the most is that poor people look at how can I not lose the money that I have? Mm -hmm. Rich people are like, how can I take what I have and multiply it? You know, there's like this scarcity. Oh my gosh, it's going to run out. And then the rich are like, well, wait a minute. How can I invest this? How can I make it work for me? And I can tell you that has been very difficult for me because a 401k in the beginning, you know, um, I don't want to get too crazy here, but there was also a little bit about my parents would actually put money um, under the mattress. They would, um, my mom would have these awesome envelopes, tons of envelopes in her purse. Okay. And she was so awesome. I never forget when I was a little girl um, and I, she's doing it at night and daddy would like, you know, bring the check home and, and mom would have all these envelopes. And I go, mommy, what are you doing? And she's like, okay, I'm putting some money for vacation. And then here I'm putting money for this and I'm putting money for that. And she goes, Judy, you always got to pay yourself first. She said that you always got to pay yourself first. So that's pretty cool. But then it was like just sitting in the pocketbook. As opposed to having the guts to, it is a risk, right? You risk it into 401k or into buying properties or into, you know, those kinds of things. So that has been a shift that I'm trying to get more comfortable with that, with like investing my money to to work for me. Yeah. And it's so important because you want it to work for you. The money envelope system has been around forever. I mean, I I think our great grandparents used it and my grandma taught me that when I was a young girl and I remember doing the money envelope system and I thought, I don't like money hanging around in my purse and I'm going to put this in a safe place. So I opened up a bank account for every envelope I had and now banks offer it automatically. They have money buckets and it's really awesome to be able to have it and they earn 4% interest. 
So the, the first thing I always say is, especially as a business owner, I hope your taxes aren't sitting in your checking account earning no interest. It better be in one of those money buckets, <laughs> one of those buckets that are earning at least 4% interest until it's time to pay. Because just think you'll have all that extra money that's earning interest. And I know a lot of people don't know about that. Do you find yourself having money buckets with your system or do you have everything just stacked into one checking account? Um, I, I Well, here's an interesting thing you say that. Um, I do have it in one account, but I, but I do invest money more and more and more, mm -hmm. but what's been curious to me, maybe this is a side note, but I'm curious if you are aware of this, like some of my clients recently, they're like, well, how do I say this? I have a checking account where all the money coming into the business goes mm -hmm. and I have a credit card associated with that bank account right. and I use that one card and that one bank account for my business. Lately, some clients are like, well, here's, wait, I have to add money to the card. And I'm like, wait a minute, add money to the card. Isn't it attached to the account? And so if anybody's out there listening has a business, I, as an attorney say, I don't know, in an LLC or an S Corp, you have to have a dedicated business account. So right. I'm not getting this whole idea of adding money to a card. Do you ever hear that? I mean, it's kind of. I have not heard of that, but it sounds like they don't have the right system set up. <laughs> so you need to contact me. Um, yeah, there's a lot of business owners who do not know how to set up their business banking. And a lot of them will commingle the funds with their personal account. And I am not an attorney, but I used to be a paralegal. And I used to be a bankruptcy paralegal. And when I worked at Social Security Administration, I got to review corporations, S-Corps, LLCs, all kinds of businesses um, to determine whether or not they can retire because we had this thing called questionable retirement. So it was my job to look at all of their um, taxes and their forms and their bank accounts to see like what what they were hiding because the IRS rules are different than the Social Security rules. Of course, Social Security did away with this. They don't have that anymore. And it saved us a lot of paperwork. <laughs> but it was really interesting to see how people never paid themselves first. Business owners never paid themselves first. They kept their money um commingled with their personal funds. So instead of drawing that check and keeping it completely separate, so it got to be a nightmare. And I'd be like, no, the first thing you need to do is go dedicate a, a checking account for your business and draw yourself the salary and, you know, set yourself up with an LLC or whatever, you know, most of them were brick and mortar because the internet wasn't around back then, right? The way it is today. So yeah, it's so important to have that separation. And anytime, I mean, alarms are going off in my head, like, why are you adding money to a card? Like, what's that all about? Sounds like they might be overspending somewhere. Exactly. And expenses. So yeah, I, and I love that you bring the attorney flair to the business coaching world and you've incorporated it. I know you've, you've shared quite a bit about how your first day in law school, I think it was, if I remember the story correctly, your professor had said something to you that really impacted me and the way I look at things and how I do it. What was that? Yeah, it was the Dean. And she said, you are being given the keys to the kingdom. And with that opportunity comes responsibility. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And so even now, you know, I'm, I have my license, but I am not practicing you know, law. And as I give advice, I always say, disclaimer, disclaimer, this is not legal advice, but I use that legal brain as um, the way I strategize and the way I teach my clients to strategize, strategize to win. And so, uh, yeah, when you learn how to think 
as strategically as an attorney or as a CEO, oh my goodness, you see things so differently. I love problem solving. That's like fun for me. That's like, if, if a problem comes up, I don't freak out. I say, yes, let's go. Let's roll up our sleeves and figure it out. <laughs> we all have our gifts and talents. When a problem comes my way and I'm like, do we have to talk about this now? <laughs> <laughs> Like, can we think about it for a little bit? <laughs> now yeah. talk about finances. I got you covered. <laughs> Move money around and making money. Yeah, we can talk about that all day long and changing our thought pattern around money. I mean, thoughts are the most powerful thing that we have. And, you know, I love that we have a similar approach and, you know, scripture talks about captivating our thoughts, making them obedient to Christ. And I remember when I first started sharing that in the coaching world, they're like, what does it mean to captivate your thoughts? And when we can really think about what we're thinking, it's creating that feeling. It's giving us that action, which ultimately gives us the result. But so many of us beat ourselves up for past mistakes mm -hmm. and we devalue what we offer, um, especially when it comes to pricing programs. And I know your zone of genius is to help women claim like, no, this is your price and this is the value. And like, we don't need to add more things to it. Right. What is that approach like um, if you could share with our audience, especially entrepreneurs that are just starting off, because I know you work with a lot of women who want to make those 10K months consistently. Mm -hmm. What is the approach that says like, this is my value and this is what I'm going to price and to claim that value? What's that secret tool? Yes. Well, I love the question. I have what's called the right offer framework and it's the decisions to create an offer that is right. And it's the offer you make right based upon your decisions. And when it comes to pricing, I talk about value. So it's like short-term value and long-term value. Just as a crazy example, if I help new moms lose those last 10 pounds, um, you know, how much is that worth for her to get healthy and feel good and get back in those jeans and not feel frumpy? I know for me as a first-time mom, you know, with every kid, it was harder for me to get back to the pre-prego weight. But, you know, people say, okay, well, I think it's worth like 2000. I'm like, wait a minute, really? Really? Okay. But how, how like short term, what is that worth? Because now she's feeling sexy again. Now she's able to get on the floor easier and play with her kids and not just today, but for the next five years or for the next whenever. So I, I talk about value. One thing I do not want, two things I don't want people to ever to price on is based on your time because that's ridiculous. And the other thing is based on what competitors do. That's a problem because how do you know if they're really a competitor? To me, there is no competitor for me. And I like to think that my clients, I want you to find your zhuzh so that you can say, you know what, nobody does what I do quite like I do. And therefore I have no competition, but it's a danger to say, oh, well, I, I surveyed these five people and they only charge this. So that means I only charge that. Wait a minute. I don't want the differentiator to be price. I don't mm -hmm. want to run to the bottom. <laughs> That's not a good business model, right? And on the other point where it's like, if I'm really great at what I do and I can get my clients results quicker, why should I be faulted for that? If anything, it should be a premium. So that's generally my approach to price. I love that. I love that. And when you know you have the right offer, it, you love to charge what you're charging it for, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it is right and you know the value of it and articulating that is something that you teach very well. And I know a lot of uh, our listeners are like, but I can't sell anything. I, I, I just don't. Money and I, we don't really see eye to eye when it comes to pricing things. And 
so many people will look at the dollar value, like if it's a $5,000 program versus a $10,000 program. And I'm always, if you think about the value, the value is what you place on it. Like, is this worth you investing $10,000 into that program or $5,000? Like, how is it going to change your life? And really protecting that. So many of us go after shiny objects mm-hmm. and we listen to those money stories about, I can't afford to do that because it's not a good investment. But if, you know, how much did it cost to become a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. And now now you're not even practicing being an attorney. (laughs) No, it's so funny. Right after I I, I had quit the practice of law, um, how many years in? When I had my third child, it was 2003 when I started my first business. I remember my big brother's like, hey, Judy. And it was over $100,000 for back then. Um, Because Judy, how do you feel now that you wasted, you know, $100,000 and now you don't practice law? I was so mad when he said it. And at the time, only years later, did I come to know I use this brain. You can take this girl out of the courtroom, but you can't take that courtroom brain out of this girl. Um, But I do want to say this. A lot of times people think it's easier to sell low ticket than high ticket. Mm -hmm. That's just a thought. That's really just a thought. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like, do you want to drive a Mercedes or do you want to drive a Yugo? Not that they make them anymore. It's not that one's necessarily even better. Um, but it's a better experience. And also it it is just about the experience. And, you know, so think about that when you price for everybody listening and watching, if you want to be out there and known as one of the best, would you charge Kmart prices? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And, And if you're, and if you're looking to work with, you know, executive type people or lawyers, for example, and you're charging bottom of the barrel rates, they're going to be like, no, this is a disconnect. There's no way this person knows what they say they know or can help me to the extent they say they can. So we have to really be cognizant of that. Who is your best client? Yeah, I love that. I love how you phrase that too. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. When you were, um, we all grew up with money idioms. What was your the most common money idiom you heard growing up? Yeah. Um, money doesn't grow on trees. And um, yeah, money doesn't grow on trees. And the other thing was just that rich people get rich and poor people get poor. Oh, I remember that one. Money goes where money is, my mom used to say. And my my five-year-old self would say, well, I want to be where money is. How do I get to do that? <laughs> So I did it. <laughs> ah, it's amazing yeah. we, what we uh, hear and what we learn. But I had re- forgotten that she had had said that about the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And in my experience working with all kinds of people, they all had the same thought process. The, the same conclusion was, will there be enough? Mm-hmm. Will there be enough? And money is is a tool, like you said, it's a resource and there's always enough. It depends on what you want it for, Right. Mm, you know, yeah. and, and having a purpose, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I love money buckets is that we can have a purpose for our money and then more money comes and it's like, Ooh, I get to do this with my money. And just to be able to have that freedom, that's true wealth. Mm. Just have that, that freedom. So tell us what is, um, you've told, shared a little bit about your program. Can you go into a little bit more detail with the audience? Sure. Um, I just want to say one more thing, if I may. Yeah. I say one thing about money and the scarcity mindset. When I think about my parents, they fought virtually every week about money. Mm. 
and wondering if there's going to be enough and why can't we have more and why is your my mom's uh bro, my dad's brother was rich he didn't have kids so holly did and i remember mom saying you know why are they rich and we're poor and stuff and 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 then i think about you know that all their life they worried about money but there always was enough mm-hmm. so for anybody listening like think about that like do you want to spend your whole life like being in fear of money, like not having it. It's just a thing. And yes, we need it. But when we stop putting it on as this thing that 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 is outside of our control, then it doesn't have power over us anymore. We have power over it. And mm-hmm. I'm not getting woo-woo here. You know me, Lise, but but it's really important. And um, so anyway, I just felt compelled to, to share that. Yeah, that's um, a beautiful share. I love that. Well, thank you. And so what was the question? I'm so <laughs> No, I'm so you're sorry. good. You're good. <laughs> it was just to share. I, I actually just wanted to add on to that too, is that, you know, that mindset of like poor people believe that they don't have enough money and spending all that time and energy focusing on what you don't have is going to, you're going to believe because we go back to the thoughts and the powerful, the power of our thoughts, whatever you believe is what you're going to receive. And if you believe there's not enough, there's never going to be enough. If you're constantly complaining about money, then there, you're always going to be complaining about money because you're not going to see the value. And that's where gratefulness comes in. And when we can be grateful for what we do have, so many of us exchange our cash for a service or a product, but we don't see it that way. We see it as, oh, that costs us. X amount of money and we complain about it. What happens if you just give thanks and say, I just invested X amount of dollars in liquid, look what I got, yep. you know, and it's just, that's becomes beautiful and it changes your disposition and the power of those thoughts. So, you know, if you, if you really want to have that partnership with money, it's like, give thanks for the money that you do have and realize that there's so much, there's so much to be grateful for. And there's more coming. Like, I don't have to worry about whether or not I get to eat. I I know. I mean, I got to eat a bowl of ice cream today with hot fudge. What's better than that? (laughs) My three favorite foods, food groups, chocolate. (laughs) That's right. That's so good. I I just want to say one more thing. And then I remembered your question and I'll, I'll wrap up. I know I don't mean to be long, but, but entrepreneurs, if you are month to month feeling desperate, Oh my gosh, it's a new month. I got to make money. And, and, and there's like that, I got to make money. And there's like this pressure about it. Is that a way to live? I mean, really, it, what if, what if making money was not as hard as we think it is? What if it could actually be fun? What mm-hmm. if we could actually just stop worrying about it and go live your life? And, and you might say, well, look, you know, here's Lisa and Judy. You, you must have a lot. And that's why you're calm. No. It's because I trust the Lord God and I know how to make money. So anyway, then the other question you had was my programs. I work with two groups of women. One are the ladies that are in the earlier stages of business, Christian women who are super smart and have had success in a past career or something, but now they're newer in entrepreneurship. And so that's called my Joyful Six Figures Accelerator. That is a lifetime program where you jump in. We come together weekly in group coaching. I have a master's level entrepreneurial curriculum, and it's just a great way for you to learn how to build your business in a way that honors the Lord and in a way that really serves your clients really well. That's the Joyful Six Figures Accelerator. And then for those that are at six 
six and multi six figures, I have my joyful scaling mastermind. And there we go into higher advanced strategy with three scaling strategies, your breakthrough strategy, your op strategy, and your profit strategy. It is comprehensive. We talk about nine different aspects of your business. We find the gaps and we fill them so that you can really scale your business in a way that again is full of joy. Oh, I love that. I love how you just articulate it so well too. I'm, I'm working on my articulation. <laughs> I'm a work in progress every single day, just peeling back more and more layers. <laughs> we all are. Sure. We all are. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing that. We'll put the links to connect um, with you in the show notes. So anybody who's listening, be sure um, to check with Judy and check out. She has a beautiful podcast uh, I was actually a guest on it. Um, so be sure to tune into her podcast as well. And as we part, Judy, what words of wisdom would you like to share with the audience? Well, you know, I'm going to go to one of my mantras, pursue the impossible. No matter where you are, no matter what your upbringing, no matter what your past, I was a victim of domestic violence. I was beaten up on my wedding night. Listen, mm -hmm. there is no thing that you can't come back from. And so if God put this dream in your heart and you've got the ambition, don't let anything stop you. Pursue that impossible because in Christ, it absolutely is possible. And I'm proof of that. So <laughs> that's my parting wisdom. Thank you so much. I, I love that. And I'm so sorry you went through that. That's, uh, and look at you now. <laughs> now. <laughs> Overcoming. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, for those of you who listen, who are listening, please show show the show, <laughs> give the show some love, give us a five-star review and a rating and share this five-star rating. And we're going to just say that again, Krista, you're going to have to edit that part out. <laughs> so when you're listening, just be sure. Thank you for those who tuned in. Love for you to give a five-star review, five-star rating and review. Be sure to share the show with anyone you know who needs to hear this. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Hey, 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 thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.